You are listening to the best of the housing hour with hosts Kevin Ray and Mark Griffith. This show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group. Well, back in here to the housing hour. This is actually part two of our energy efficiency program wrap up, I guess you would say. And we, we have our special guest in again, Dr. Mike Simpson. Thanks again for coming in. That's a great pleasure to be you here. You must have just been in the neighborhood. I just, <laughs> just dropped by to talk to you guys about energy again. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in. And you know, uh, we did do part one. And um, if you need to reference this material um, on our website, um, thehousinghour.com, you can go mark into editorials. Editorials. And we have uh, all the parts of the series loaded there part one part two it's really self-explanatory plus Mm -hmm. i also have powerpoint so i Mm -hmm. i took that information and kind of capsulized it if anybody wants to use it to their civic groups or birthday parties (laughs) exactly and mark is available for your child's birthday parties if you need i'll I'll wear the suit and the clown nose (laughs) okay well you wouldn't have to wear the suit because i'm just kidding so i'm glad you didn't say the clown nose (laughs) (laughs) so so part one we you know we had dr jackson and um, we were able to break that down. And, and Dr. Jackson was so uh, passionate about what he spoke about. Very and, passionate. And, and, you know, the Zebra Alliance, and you can find all those links there. And it was, the, you know, the, the zero energy homes and all of that. And now when we lead into this next section, it was Dr. Frank Rapley, I believe. Or is yes. he a doctor? Uh, I don't know. Everybody out there is a doctor. <laughs> well, he's TV. He sure did sound like a doctor. Right. He sounded like one. We'll, we'll call him that. So so he was equally as passionate. You know, that's one very thing I've much. noticed about people that do this is that they're very passionate about what they do. And I know you spoke, um, Dr. Simpson. Can I talk? To, call you Mike? You can call me Mike. Okay. Yeah, please do. Okay. I know that's what you'd prefer. But mm-hmm. you spoke about how you know, that is one thing that you are is very passionate about what you do. And I know I've noticed that that's kind of been a theme about everybody we've spoke to. Why is that, that people Mm -hmm. that do this are so passionate? Well, this is, you know, sort of like being an artist and you become a scientist or an engineer very often. It's, it's born out of passion because, you know, for the same amount of effort, you probably could have done something that was going to uh, end up in a lot more money for you in the long run. So people do this because this is what they love. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they believe that this is a very important piece of our, our lives, and it is. Well, you know, absolutely. I mean, you know, you want to feel like you're making a contribution, you're making a real difference. And, and the energy problem, this energy question, this is the top question. This mm-hmm. is, I, I always call it, this is the transcendent challenge of our time from a science and engineering point of view. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's been, there's always been one, right? I mean, once upon a time, there was, it was public health, you know, when children weren't making it through, you know, infancy and things like that. Mm. And so we had to solve that problem. We had to have clean water. We had to figure out how to treat infections. We had to do all those things. And now our big issue is, is how are we going to generate enough energy to keep this world going and keep our 21st century economy going and that's a big challenge, and yeah. it has to be faced. And, Mike, and where, where, where does that fit in the home side of it? I mean, how big a piece is the home energy aspect of it? Well, it's about, you know, half of our energy usage, you know, somewhere in, the, in that neighborhood. And, you know, we've, we heat and cool our houses, and we watch our TVs, and we have to power up all our, all our electronic devices that we love to have, like, like the, the pad. Half of the power and, used. Yeah, in that in that neighborhood, well, half of the electricity. I'm sorry, right. half okay. of the electricity. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right, right, right. You know, certainly, when you're talking about liquid fuels, most of that's in transportation. 
but yeah, about half the electricity goes goes into our houses. So, so Frank talked about, and that's what this show you heard him speak about. Um, the EnergyRight.com is the website, the program that they offer, and it's it, and they've partnered with the local retailers, the mm-hmm. the KUBs, the LCUBs, etc. And you know they are great partners in this venture that they've started, and they've been doing it for a long time. Mark spoke about how he had his um, LCUB uh, contact come out and do a 15 years ago that's right and he still uses the heating and air person that they recommended and as a matter of fact that person's still on the list today and i probably should get him yeah. as a guest because we yes, need to talk about i it. agree so so I, I thought what um frank also was uh, speaking so eloquently about was this this point of evaluating your home you don't know what's going on inside right. of your home mm-hmm. because i can go and look and i say oh well this needs this this needs that but until you get an energy advisor someone mm-hmm. who really knows what they're looking at mm-hmm. so he was really pushing forward with that um it is it is important we so, some of us don't know much of anything let alone about these type right. of I- items you know and they call them energy audits mm-hmm. is is the way they refer to it and, and you should think of it very much in an analogous way to you would if you had a financial advisor come in and look at your finances and try to tell you oh you're leaking money capital here. financial group Cop- <laughs> there you go and i did that just for you <laughs> thank you two four six one six eight oh but you know you're you don't you you cannot visually look and see where your leaks are mm. i mean somebody has to come with an ir meter and they have to find those for mm. you you can't visually tell where you need more insulation mm-hmm. you can't visually tell you know where it is you're leaking air that you just paid money to heat or you just paid money to cool and then it's just going outside yeah and i tell you the other thing is if people that are concerned about the money and 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 we'd have to probably get the exact numbers again but but $150, you know, is what it costs to have the energy audit done. At that time, and we need to probably follow up with this, and you'll see it on our website, they were doing a rebate of $100. So it was right. only $50. And then on top of that, they were also saying if you chose at least one thing to do that was $150 or more, they were going to give you back the $50. So it was free. Then in addition to that, there are also these tax incentives that you can get. So you can get up to $500 back. So it's like they're saying, here, we'll do it. You know, it's free. You know, we aren't charging. This is not going to cost you any money. Now, if you went into the bigger type things like, you know, the, the, uh, the what am I trying to say, solar power and those type of things, yes, you're not going to get back all of your money at once. But they've really incentivized people to do this. Right. And, and the, you know, in, in the sort of hierarchy of things you should do, very first thing you should do is conserve. Mm. So fix the problems where you're leaking energy. And then, and then you can go to the bigger solutions if you want to start generating your own power and you want to get to zero net energy usage and stuff like that. But you'll get your biggest bang for your buck on these inexpensive and easy things, the mm. energy audits, simple things you can do for energy efficiency. You'll make that money back in less than a year. Mm. And then everything else after that is just pure return. Yeah. And then he also, real quick, Mark, and then Mark wants to jump in. He also spoke about um, the self-analysis that you could actually take. And that if you did that, it they're depending upon what you put in. But if you had a little bit more of a knack, maybe, then that is also free. And you could put in the information. And then they'll send you an energy kit with a couple of light bulbs that will save you $40 per light bulb over their life. And they'll also send you a couple of something, other some other stuff. I don't know what. No 
world it was. Yeah, it was, I've had him it too. It was like a is that, is that the technical term? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right. That's our operant definition. <laughs> so you can go to um, the the website that um, Frank was talking about was energyright.com. Yeah, and w- going back to what you said, um, uh, we had a guest on, and we're going to bring that show back on Harvey Avalada th- with Aries uh, Energy, and he mentioned three things: evaluate reduce and produce those are the three things that i think he coined and uh in, in that trademarked. order in yes, that order in that order yeah oh that's pretty interesting i bet you he did not coin that well he said he did i'll have to ask him <laughs> he might have well and, and you know the other thing that that frank made the point of is that you know he wanted to really give a shout out to he even said that actually to um lcub and kub mm-hmm. because if it wasn't for them it would not be possible what they're doing. So, because they have to have a partnership. That's the thing that really makes these things work because they're going to be able to communicate to the public more effectively, maybe not maybe not more effectively, but they're going to have the the people who they serve right there. They're going to be able to talk to them through their bills, you know, and, and maybe put in, you know, slide in a brochure or or they have all of their mailing addresses because a lot of this that we're talking about, it, it takes the cooperation of not just one party. You know, it takes multiple people working together and seeing and having an open mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a system. I mean, we, you know, we have people that have to build power plants. We have people that generate the power. We have people that distribute the power. And then we have people that deal on an individual basis with the consumers of mm-hmm. the power. Yeah. And getting this energy auditor in the home to talk to people directly mm-hmm. is one of the most effective things that you can have yeah. happen. And you know how uh, one of our, I wish that during the presidential be- debates in four years or whenever those come up again, that you could have a question about this, about energy and, uh, and, and about what we're going to do going forward. It's just like I said, there's so many fish that we're frying. It's not going to come up. It, it just doesn't if ever come up and there are some people out there and i will not speak to who or what those people are that actually don't even think this is a real problem even just not this but also you know other things that they just don't see the evidence is right in front of them Um, but i appreciate everybody who's been a part of this show and we didn't build this show on our own there's a variety of people that have come in and helped us come make this happen dr mike simpson thank you for helping us wrap this up uh our co-host here mark and also shine our producer guys if you need to go uh, learn more about this. It's energyright.com. And we thank you for coming into the housing hour. This show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group. See you next week. Thank you. Welcome back into the housing hour. Thank you for coming back in and joining us. And I want to tell you about a company that I believe very strongly in, and that is Admiral Title. Admiral Title has been around for eight years. Phyllis Burnett and Terry Adams started it, and they started it to really uh, be different than other title companies. And I know that everybody says they're going to treat their customers right and take you through the process and do everything that they need to have done. But you know what? They really do it. They really take care of their people, and they are uh, have a lot of experience, too. That's another thing that is different, different about them. Uh, Phyllis has been in the business for, for a long time and she knows um, every problem or every issue that could possibly come up Um, and she really is informed she stays educated about the title business about the mortgage business she can answer any questions because you know what she used to be in the mortgage business for a long time prior to uh, her starting this company so they do a a tremendous job so if you're a realtor out there if you're a lender out there and you want to start a relationship with someone who really knows what they're doing admiral title is the place for you and then as i always say if you are just a consumer listening 
which we have a lot of those, and you want to go to a company that will really take care of your refinance or your purchase, um, maybe you're paying cash, good for you, you can go directly to them. It's Admiral Title, 865-531-6060. So we're back in here, and, and you know, we you just got done listening to uh, Dr. Roderick Jackson, and um, we wanted to bring in uh, Dr. Simpson, Mike Simpson, to come in, who's been our energy advisor throughout this year. The he's, expert. He's the expert. He's done a tremendous job helping us pack up and, and unpack and re, revamp all of our segments, and he, he knows a lot about this subject matter. And, you know, the first thing that I want to do is thank you for coming in and doing this, first well, of all. It's a real pleasure to be here, and it's an honor to be on your Best of Show. So thank oh, you very yes. much. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, Dr. Jackson uh, did a, a great job. He's very passionate about what he talked about. He, he was so excited about, you know, this program and about these zero net energy homes. And, you know, they, they have such a great partnership with, you know, with the, with the community. They have these homes that they've built. Um, first, I just actually want to get your opinion about the, the Zebra Alliance and, and what it is that they're doing. What do you think about it? Do you think it's, it's productive? Has it been successful from your perspective? I think it's been extremely successful and and you know we're in um, sort of the phase of this development of zero net energy housing that I would say is kind of analogous to what happened with say fire protection in houses mm. you know it's like once upon a time you build houses and you didn't really worry about how they were going to hold up if you know if somebody dropped a match somewhere or something like that and then we learned how to put in fire stops and we learned how to do all these things so that you know houses were a lot safer and they didn't burn the way that they they, they once did. And it's our future that homes are going to be a lot more energy efficient than they once were. You know, half of the energy we generate in this country is rejected, which means it's just lost. It's wasted. Mm. And that's not going to be, that's not in our long-term national interest. Yeah. If you look at the broad picture too, mm. we're growing as a, a community, as our population increases, there's going to be bigger and bigger demands on the, the, the grid, if you will. And if we don't recognize the fact that we need to have better solutions for energy. I mean, the worst case scenario is that we're going to have more outages. Maybe there's going to be other problems. What do you see as some of the potential problems if we don't really kind of take what he's doing and others and, and try to really promote it and get involved with it? What are some of the, the consequences? Well, um, you might have heard about the uh, problem they had with the grid in India just a few weeks ago. Where preg they just took the whole grid down because it mm. was overloaded. And I mean, it was down for a long time. They didn't know what happened. They didn't know why. Our grid's outdated. You know, mm. we've we've got a problem. We haven't really uh, we we've got kind of fifties and sixties technology mm. in our grid right now, and we're trying to run a twenty first century economy and a twenty first century society on a grid that really hasn't been updated. We can't put too much demand on that grid until we you know we move to a smart grid. We move to better transmission. Um, if we get better energy efficiency, that's just like adding new power plants. Mm. So you get better energy efficiency. I think I told you one time that it, you know, that we're talking about more than a billion dollars in a decade to license and build a nuclear power plant. You, you took the words out of my mouth. I was yeah. just going to talk about that. In in for a fraction of that cost and in a fraction of that time, you can produce, if you like, that much energy by saving it. But it doesn't take just one year to build a nuclear facility. How many? I mean, it takes thirteen years. Thirteen years, yeah, and most of that's in licensing. And, and, and doing risk analysis and all of these sorts of things. Because, you know, let, let's face it, we all know what happened in Japan. Mm. You don't want that to happen in your neighborhood. Right. 
And okay, you're not going to have a tsunami in East Tennessee, but East Tennessee has earthquakes. Mm-hmm. And Real the, Foot Lake, uh, just not that's West Tennessee, yes. but I mean, we obviously have a fault line that's not not too so far, not away. so far away. Yeah, and it wasn't so long ago that there was an earthquake that was felt from Virginia to Washington. That's to right. Here. Yeah. Well, Mike, how would you describe the uh, the attitude of the American people about uh, applying some of the things that Dr. Jackson talked to in their homes? Do you, it doesn't seem like everybody's running down to Home Depot to find those products to seal. How do we generate the the interest? Yeah. You know what I think the issue there is is that you don't you know you get the electricity bill once a month. And you don't see, like if you do something, if you increase your insulation or if you change the bulbs in your house or something, you don't see that money right away. I think you kind of lose it. You forget that it's happening. And one thing that people have started to think about is smart metering. So you, you've heard about smart metering? No, I have not. So this is literally where, you know, right now, if you want to know how much electricity you use in your house, you got to go outside, you got to go find the meter. And then how many of us know how to read that meter? Mm, now, <laughs> you could literally have, you know, an LCD display sitting in your house that's sitting there and it's cranking over dollars cents the whole time. And wow. if you went and turn off a light, you could see it start to turn over slower. If you added insulation, you could see it start to turn wow. on lower. And this is like you've seen these things for cars where you can plug this thing in your car and it tells you what kind of gas mileage you're getting on a real-time basis. Mm. That changes people's driving habits, literally. Yeah. They've done the research. Well, I can promise you that mm. Omer Ray, my grandfather, <laughs> had a built-in clock in his head. He'd go out there and he'd say, Mabel? <laughs> that yeah. Was my, yeah, but that's you, the generation. That, yeah, I mean, it was because fantastic. Yeah, you know, people grew up in the Depression. We don't need to be running all these lights in the house you know and oh, yeah. and the tv's been on all day you know mm-hmm. you, you so those are generational things i think those are those are things that i think are built in to our psyche to kind of who we are and and how it is our spending patterns and, mm-hmm. and and let's just be honest i mean a lot of the people that live today in this generation the kids that are growing up and i'm not saying that they're irresponsible but i'm just saying they have a little bit different mindset they have the ipods and the iphones and the mm-hmm. droids and the iPads and they they are it's like this on demand society right you know you want what you want when you want it and when it comes to TV or turning on the light or hot water it's got to be right there right yeah, away right. and so this this delay of instant gratification where Omer my grandfather you know at a certain point the lights were going out in the house I mean that that's just the way it was but right that, that yeah. generation you know from the Great Depression you know certainly learned those habits because of money yeah but, absolutely. you know coming in from the Great Recession I'm not sure that this generation that grew up in the Great Recession is learning the same things that your yeah. grandfather did. And, and you know part of that is that you know we've got a society now that we consider it to be too big to fail so these times where the, the we're being all being bailed out and nobody's suffering any consequences from the irresponsible decisions that we've made so it's that enabling that we've really put ourselves into so we kind of got off onto a tangent there for a minute <laughs> but, a good tangent. And, and out of my expertise too. yeah <laughs> but but you know another thing that that you just said which was the smart grid we only have about five minutes left in the show and i want to be able to wrap it all up but just real quick the smart grid um i was listening to another local show just the other day and he was out at the oak ridge national laboratory and they have that smart computer the titan have mm-hmm. you heard of the titan mm-hmm. um it's this enormous computer that ha- does billions of computations per second Tri- trillions trillions of yeah. uh, in in could something like that, if we wrapped it all together, could it help with the smart grid at some level? 
you know, and also the water levels and things of that nature. The, the, the smart grid would actually be just a little bit different. So, you know, some of these supercomputers, you know, the Kraken and the Jaguar and the Titan and things like that, that's a whole bunch of computing power concentrated in one spot. Mm. A smart grid would be little bitty pieces of computing power distributed all over the place. Mm-hmm. So that sort of at every house, mm. there was sort of some knowledge about, uh, you know, what to do. So this is yeah. a, a case by like a, a home by home type thing. Yeah, it's what we call distributed. It, mm-hmm. it's, it, so in, in the end, it might have as much computing capability. I mean, obviously, if we put this all over the country mm-hmm. in the grid, it would have the same kind of computing power mm-hmm. as, say, a supercomputer. But it would be distributed all over the place. And in any one place, there would just be a little little chunk of smartness. Yeah. Well, so, you know, if people that are out there listening, I mean, what are the stumbling blocks? Why haven't we took this, taken this on? Is it money? Is it, um, is it focusing our attention on it? What, what's the problem? I think it's a multitude of, of things. It is money. And so it would come down to the local utilities. So, you know, for example, here it would have to be KUB. Mm. And, you know, so there would be uh, um, a cost of infrastructure. That mm-hmm. cost would have to be passed on to customers, and it would be passed on in a chunk, and then they would get it back in little pieces over years. Well, yeah, and there's you know? so much regulation with the utility district. I mean, because like TVA is really the the supplier of energy, and then KUB would be the retailer. K- KUB is the customer, right? And right. Then they, and then they, they resell us, right. right? So, so who who really would be the person to head up that type of initiative? Would it be the government, like uh, Uncle Sam, or would it be the local districts that would get that started? Uh, it would have to be a private public partnership. Okay. Thing. So you it would take it would take government, it would take local utilities, it would take local communities and and the and the national will to do this. Mm-hmm. And it probably does take national leadership to make it yeah. happen. And you know, there's so many fish on the frying pan right now. Well there are, but everybody can do their part. And I think with sealing and this energy mm-hmm. uh, efficiency program that we're doing, everybody in their home can do a be a part of this by reducing their energy use by doing the uh, proper energy sealing techniques and conservation. Absolutely. And, and we're going to be very soon talking uh, to Frank Rapley and having his program about the evaluation program. But what it is that you need to know from uh, the rest of this show is that you can go to zebraalliance.com and that's Z-E-B-R-A Alliance. It's actually zebraalliance.com. You can check that out actually on our website. We'll have that posted for you as well um, because that's where you can go to learn more about Dr. Jackson's program and what it is that they're doing and learn about the things out in Oak Ridge, the homes that really are operating at a very high level, saving 50 to 60%. It's incredible the the actual cost effectiveness. Well, uh, Mike, thanks for coming in again. Dr. Simpson's been nice enough to join us and uh, we just appreciate you guys coming into the housing hour today. This show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group and this special best of segment is brought to you by Capital Financial Group and Admiral Title. Thank you again for coming in. Thank you to my co-hosts, Mark and Shine, uh, our producer. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. Don't forget, thehousinghour.com. Take care. All right. Well, I am very happy to have in Dr. Mike Simpson coming in again. Um, As you all may remember, he is our energy expert. Um, He is an expert in many fields. Um, He is a professor. He is also a scientist. Um, He is also, I believe, a uh, business business administrator. What was your other job title for? No, I'm assistant director of the Bredesen Center. Assistant director. So he's he's got quite a few things going on. And, you know, we, as you all know, we've talked several shows in a row and, and periodically 
about energy and how important that is to not only our, our economy, but also to our future um, housing costs. And I know that you were able to listen to some of uh, the archive shows, correct? I was. I listened to all three of those. Well, yeah. Tell me what your impression was from what you heard first, and then we'll, we'll dig in. Well, first of all, I'd like to commend you because you've really put together quite a lineup of people to talk about Thanks, energy. Thank you to Mark. Well, yeah. actually, thank you because you uh, introduced us to Dr. Jackson. I did. Yes, That's you did. Right. Well, congratulations to me for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I thought this has just been a great series, and and it, it's really nice to hear this discussed in just such a rational, non-politicized sort of way. Just you know, just kind of get the facts out there. So uh, thank you so much for for putting that together. I think you did a great job. I think the other thing you noticed is is you got a lot of the same thing. You talked to different experts, look at this from different points of view, and you got a lot of the same things. From, from all of them, and a lot of the same things that you got from me the first time I was here. So I think you can see that there's some real consensus building around how we can kind of deal with these issues. And sort of over and over again, I think you heard, you heard the mantra is the first thing you have to do is you have to evaluate. You have to know where you are with your energy usage and where your inefficiencies are. And then the idea is don't go out and spend a gazillion dollars right away, but have a plan, a plan for how you're going to reduce your energy use. And that plan would typically go as you replace things, right? You, you wouldn't replace a brand new heat pump right now for energy efficiency, but when you have to replace your heat pump, perhaps you look into geothermal or, you know, other high-efficiency ways to heat and cool your house. And geothermal, just so that the listeners, maybe they didn't listen last week or whenever Harvey was on, is where they tap into the ground, basically, inside the earth that stays a, a medium temperature, uh, 60 degrees, I think, so you're able to use that to cool or heat. Right, that, that's correct. And that's something that I think people are often confused. So would you would you mind us a short little lecture Please. on how heat pumps work? Absolutely, because <laughs> yeah. I know ours is yeah. very inefficient. Yeah, so heat pumps, this is this confuses a lot of people. When it's cold outside, how does a heat pump take heat from outside and put heat in your house? And I, Are that, you asking that question to me? Well, <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. It's, it's, a, it's a rhetorical question. Yeah, <laughs> no. but if you've got an answer, no, I'll I do not. <laughs> okay. And uh, the, the thing there is, I'm going to give you an analogy and see if this helps you a little bit. I want you to think about sort of mid uh, medieval England and kings. Kings could be very rich, even though everybody else around them was very poor. And they got rich by taking money from everybody else. So... Sounds like modern day. Yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and so that, that was the deal, right? Is that he got the king got very rich by taking little bits of money mm. away from lots and lots of people that weren't very rich. Okay? And that's exactly how heat pump works. It makes your house very warm by taking little bits of heat from lots of air outside your house. Mm. But the colder it gets, the less energy each of each molecule of that air has. Mm. So it, it's harder and harder to, to collect the heat tax, if you like. Mm -hmm. okay? If when it gets warmer, it's easier to do that. So if I if I actually have my coil in the ground where my heat transfer takes place, mm. you can think of that as having richer people paying taxes to the king because they have more energy. That's okay? deep. <laughs> yeah, and so that's how you. That's not just you, a coil, but the yeah. philosophy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's how it works. You know, that energy, the, the earth is a big sink of energy. You mm -hmm. know, the earth has had the sun shining on it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so it's how long? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's a, four billion years, give or take. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. And uh, so there's a lot of energy that's that's trapped there. I mean, even in, in Alaska, you get you get deep enough, you get under the permafrost and the, and the earth is quite warm under there. Mm -hmm. And so you can you can collect 
collect that energy much more efficiently from a warm area than so you can from a cold why, area. why, okay, okay, so... KUB, for instance, or let's say TVA, and I know they're working on it, mm -hmm. um, but it would seem to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, and Mark, you step in if I'm stepping over toes or on toes, but why, when I look at a budget for Knox County, for instance, mm -hmm. we just had Mayor Burchett on. When I look at the you know, budgets for all, you know, metropolitan areas and all municipalities, I don't see a huge chunk of money going into research, but, but yet that seems to me to be where a lot of money should be pouring into. Yeah, well, most of your research budget, of course, is at the state and federal level. And so, you know, at the state level, most of your research budget will be for, you know, funding the universities. And but are we like spending that. enough money as a... As a country well i mean that boy that that gets us into a whole nother topic you said politicizing yeah. now we're getting into that but no but, but i mean we can all we need to be un, aware of what we need to do but, but mike it, it seems like a lot of the scientists that i talk to have to raise their own monies well uh, they yeah. have to become businessmen and salespeople at these uh, which you know, some are very difficult <laughs> i mean it was it, it's kind of interesting i was up doing something at midnight the other night work-wise and and you know so it just occurred to me what am i spending all my time on why why am I still doing this at midnight you know <laughs> what I spend all my time on and certainly one of the conclusions I came to is I spent an inordinate amount of my time just trying to keep money in the coffers to keep right. you know, all the research going mm. and you know I would say when I started my career 20 something years ago that you know I probably spent 10 or 15 percent of my time trying to keep money going for the research and I probably spend half my time now just trying to keep money in the coffers to keep the research going. And it seems like these scientists, uh, with Dr. Jackson, uh, Frank Rapley that we had on, uh, Harvey uh, Abalata, uh, it seems like all these guys have an incredible amount of passion, you know, from, from yeah. just the research level, what they do. And so, I mean... I didn't know scientists were passionate. I thought they were just kind of static kind of guys. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's interesting. You sort of had kind of the big bang theory of what scientists are like, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bazinga, right? Yeah. right? Hope that wasn't copyrighted. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you think about it, people that go into science easily could have gone into more lucrative fields, right? I mean, they could have, you know, for the amount of time you spend in school. I was in, I was in college for 12 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for the amount of time you spend in college to get educated to be able to do science at the highest levels, you, you could have gone to medical school. You could, there's all kinds of other things you could have done. So you didn't do it for financial gain. Right. So, I mean, the, about the only thing left is your passion for the science. And so, so that's, that's why you see people be just very passionate about what they're doing when they're in the science. So all this research we, we found and discovered, Dr. Jackson, and all of these guys, plus you included, um, you know, we talked about sealing and we've talked about insulation and getting all these things. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, then you can go into in, uh, to, to the renewable energy sources, right. like the solar, solar panels. What's your takeaway from all of this? Uh, like I said, you know, the, the thing you heard over and over was is if you don't measure it, you're not going to control it. Okay, so, and, and I, I, maybe we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about smart grid before we finish up here. So, certainly one of the issues is, is that, you know, when you use energy, when you flip on a light switch, you don't know, you don't realize that you're spending money as you do it. If there was a meter in your house, if, if the meter wasn't outside, and if it was something you could read easily, a great big LCD display that was, mm. you know, clicking over money signs as, as you used up energy, your energy use would go down. Yes. You know, trust me, it's kind of like if you don't pay any attention to your credit card bill, 
you spend a lot of money on your credit card, but the minute you start saying, hmm, I got to pay that back, <laughs> you know, your credit card doesn't get charged. It changes well, your pattern. It changes your pattern, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so one of, the, one of the issues that we have right now is we don't monitor our usage. You know, yeah, we flip right. on lights, you know, we keep our, you know, you keep your TV plugged in all the time and it turns out that draws energy even when the TV's turned off. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything that you keep plugged in. Oh, okay. I need to unplug my TVs. Yeah. Then. So seriously, I mean, one of the things you can do to reduce energy is you can get a smart strip. Mm-hmm. And a, with a smart strip, you know, you can you can Turn click it, it off. off and then you just click if it back you can up. get behind the TV, that is. <laughs> well, put the smart strip where you can get to it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that well, sort of thing. Well, real, because yeah. I know we don't have a ton of time, but um, Mark asked a question about what you thought about it. So I want to frame it so that you can, because I want to talk about the smart grid also. So the evaluate, reduce, and produce. Mm-hmm. So he just explained that, you know, you got to seal, you got to evaluate, then you got to seal, mm-hmm. then you got to think of some cost-saving areas, and then you have to get into the renewable energies, which there's all kinds of technology you can get into. Right. Solar, I mean, there's, you know, the geothermal, Mm-hmm. which sounds very interesting. So from your perspective, if you could just unpack for us, you know, what that average person that's been listening to this series, what might be some action steps and then, you know, kind of somehow go into the, the, the smart grid and, and the future of what that's going to mean and what we, what we see in the future. Okay. Well, certainly I think that your experts have told you what the, what the action steps are. You know, you get this evaluation, you get this report, and then you start executing your plan to do the reduced part. And that'll be the inexpensive part. That'll be the part that'll pay off very quickly. The economics get very tough when you start generating your own power. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we don't happen to actually be in a sweet spot for renewable energy. You know, yeah. we don't have a lot of wind here. You know, we've got all these hills and valleys and things like solar that. Solar is expensive. And solar is, is relatively expensive. Even though it's yeah. cut, been cut in half from what Harvey said. Right, it has. I mean, I, if I remember his number correctly, he said it's $5 per installed watt. So 10-watt yeah. system, $50,000. Used uh, to be well, 100000 kilowatt system. Kilowatt. Yeah, right. $50,000. Yeah, so right. a 10-kilowatt system will power, a, will power a whole house while the sun's shining. Right. Okay. And I think that's something he didn't get into was this idea of having to store energy. When you do renewables, um, you know, the cheap way to do renewable right now is I put a, I put a solar panel on my house and I tie it back into the grid. Mm, okay. And so and this ha- is the smart grid thing? Well, no, this oh. is just the grid. Okay, you know, the so grid. I just, I just right. tie it back into the grid. So, you know, it makes electricity and then I put the electricity on the grid is mm-hmm. what I literally I do. Mm-hmm. Use it or lose it. Yeah, well, what happens is, is if I use it, then, of course, I use it in my house. If I don't use it, it goes on to the grid and somebody you get credit else... for it. Right, and somebody else uses it. That's the zero net. You can get to the zero net energy. You can. Yeah, yeah. you can. But I don't store any of it. It's either, either I use it or somebody else uses it right then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you can have systems that store. So I can have big battery systems, right? So I can have a solar panel that charges my batteries, and my batteries can run my house. Mm. And so you can do it that way, and then you could literally power your house, you know, if you had a big enough solar system, 24 hours a day mm-hmm. off, off of a solar system. So so we have three minutes left or less. Mm-hmm. So talk about the smart grid, okay. and we got to have him back again. This oh, we'll definitely have him back. Again. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Well, so the problem now, and I do want to point out a couple of things that I noticed. I, I don't know if you noticed that... that uh, that uh, Frank Rapley talked about when we reduce energy in our home use, we actually reduce the cost for everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught that, but that's a very important point. Is, is I that, did, yeah, I yeah, remember that, yeah. That the less energy that you have to pump out, the cheaper it actually gets to pump that energy out to everybody. Mm. So if, if we all reduce, if that went viral, if we reduce the amount of energy that we use, it would actually, the energy we do uh, deliver would become cheaper. 
they would have you know there would be fewer power plants that would have to be built and it's just easier to to get the power out and it's cheaper now the smart grid one of the things the smart grid does is right now the grid's pretty dumb Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, I shouldn't say that. The grid's actually pretty smart, but compared to what it could be, it's pretty right. dumb. It's running and on a 386 yeah, processor. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we push the power out there, and then, and then you plug it in, and you know you use it and things like that. But there's expensive times to make power, and there's cheap times to, to mm-hmm. make power, or use power, I should say. And if, if the smart grid could kind of keep up with these loads and could direct things around... Um, you know, depending on when it was cheap to make it and things like that, we could actually deliver power cheaper. Mm. And so one of the big things would be if we could reduce our power usage and stop putting our capital budget into power plants and start putting our capital budgets into a smarter grid, Okay. then this becomes kind of a feedback loop. It's like, you know, mm. that makes it cheaper to make power than being able to put our capital budget into smart grid makes it cheaper to distribute power, mm. which makes it cheaper. So you just go down and down and down. How much does it cost to build a nuclear plant? Oh gosh, a billion uh, dollars. Of this. So if we yeah. could, we could just well, throw overruns four billion. <laughs> yeah, because, well, we're, we've just now put another one on mm-hmm. board, and there's another one that they're going to start, which they mm-hmm. say is going to be done by 2020. You know, I'm just thinking that is a long time away. Right. I mean, there's power plants that were started, you know, nuclear power plants that were started in the 70s and aren't finished yet. Yeah. I mean, that's so, just unheard. And so yeah. the smart grid certainly would be in conjunction with us all. All of this, because one thing I have learned is that it's not one thing that you can do. It's a combination of several things to make us better you need a comprehensive plan right and then the other thing i would say is is you've actually got to over decades you have to execute the plan Mm -hmm. and i think one of the problems we have is is we have a plan and then five years later we change it and five years later we change it like every four years yeah and then we (laughs) yeah and then we have power plants that you know sit around for 40 years unfinished right because we didn't execute our plan yeah or like this latest dilemma where they've asked for several hundred more million there was a leadership breakdown from what I heard on the Ed and Bob show right here on WNOX. Well, unfortunately, we were running out of time. How much time do we have? About a minute. We're going to have to wind up, but I just want to tell you how much we appreciate you coming in and spending the time with us and taking the time to listen to our archive shows, and we're going to have to have you back real soon. Any closing yeah. remarks? We got we have David Lee from DOE coming on in, in a couple of weeks. Okay, yeah, that's great. Well, no, I guess my only closing remarks is you guys have done a great service, so if we could just all get together on this energy thing, we could make a difference. Can't we all just get along? We'll Can't be right you. back after these messages. Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. When Kevin gives the word, be prepared to call in to 865-243-TALK. That's 865-243-8255. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray from Mortgage Investors Group. Thank you all for joining us. Um, I am Kevin Ray, and I'm your host. I'm here with our co-host, Mark Griffith. Um, We thank you for uh, coming in, and we look forward to this next hour because we have an exciting topic to talk about. And um, as you all know, we have a lot of um, interest right now in energy savings and exactly how it is that we can save the most amount of energy, not only in our cars, but also in our residents. And it's a topic that you could even say is an important topic in our new presidential um, coming uh, election. A lot of people, you know, are talking about how they can get gas lower, how they can get the cost of this or that lower. And 
what we want to do here at the Housing Hour is we want to present for our listeners um, both sides of the arguments. We want to give you guys the tools to make the decisions and be able to really understand what it is um, that this is all about. So, you know, what better way to do that than to bring an expert in to give us some guidance? And it, it, we throughout our show and throughout the year, we're going to have experts come on on a wide range of topics, whether that's our home inspector that we had last week or whether that's uh, Senator Bob Corker, who was that expert for us um, and so forth. So today we're talking energy. We're talking about home energy efficiency and a whole range of topics around that. So um, first of all, let me just tell you, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash housing hour. You can also email your questions in to Kevin at KevinRay.com. That's Ray like Ray County. And we're on Twitter. That's at Kevin Ray. Um, but first and foremost, I'd like for uh, Mark, if you don't mind, Mark, why don't you yeah. go ahead and introduce our expert. This is the Housing Hours um, <clears throat> expert on energy. Uh, ongoing expert. That's right. Yeah. Um, we live in a fascinating community uh, because in this area we have uh, been blessed with uh, some great companies and some great research centers. We have the University of Tennessee here in Knoxville and just out in my neck of the woods in, at Oak Ridge we have ORNL and some of the research scientist centers out there. And today we have our guest with us is Dr. Mike Simpson and do, uh, Dr. Simpson, and I call him Mike because he's a good friend of mine. Uh, Dr. Simpson um, is uh, one of the top scientists at ORNL. Uh, research center. He knows a lot of things about a lot of stuff, and that's why he's going to be our special guest. Plus, he's a professor at the University of Tennessee. So, um, Mike Simpson, welcome. Well, it's great to be here, so thanks for inviting me to be here, and uh, I want to talk about a subject that I have a lot of passion about, which is energy, and uh, I think it's probably the transcendent challenge of our time to solve uh, an energy problem. Uh, this is going to be the technology now that was like um, information technology and internet technology was over the last two decades. And so there's a lot to talk about, a lot yeah. of exciting stuff going uh, on. Well, that is so true. And, and thank you so much for, for joining us because, you know, it, it, it is, that's a very good way of putting it. I didn't even think about that. And I know, you know, you have people, you know, some of the public figures saying that the energy policy going forward and how it is that we create this energy technology is really going to be the future for jobs, for creating for us, really, the advantage over some of these other countries that are competing for energy because there's so much that goes into this and and so why don't we first just talk about you know in general what it is that you do and what type of research that you've been able to uncover and maybe just give us a 30,000 you know foot view of what's going on with this with this topic sure well talking about me personally uh, I'm um, have an interesting appointment I have a joint appointment between the Oak Ridge National Laboratory and the University of Tennessee so I'm in both places uh, at Oak Ridge National Laboratory, I'm at the Center for Nanophase Material Sciences. So uh, my research is in nanoscience, which doesn't sound like energy, okay? But a lot of the answers to how we're going to solve the energy problem are going to be out of what comes out of na nanoscience. So being able to deal with things on the molecular level is going to be what solves a lot of those problems. Now at UT, I'm the assistant director for the Bredesen Center. And the Bredesen Center is a new program. It's a joint program between UT and ORNL. And it's to train a whole new generation of scientists in energy science and engineering. So this is a degree that didn't exist just a couple of years ago. And it was invented here. And through a lot of efforts of the governor, Bredesen, at the time, um, that's why it's now the Bredesen Center, 
uh, this new PhD program was started, and we're recruiting students from throughout the, the country, throughout the world. Uh, in fact, we had 50 of them on campus just the other day in our recruiting efforts, and they're going to learn all of the things about energy that are important, including things like policy, which engineers and scientists don't always get. And hopefully that's going to give them the background that they can go solve these real issues. Well, let me first, too, because I think that there's maybe some um, misunderstanding that people have about energy. And I think it's um, partly maybe just a lack of information, really, I think. Uh, A lot of people think that when they are out there and they're using energy, that if it is gasoline, that they think, okay, we'll just get an electric car, you know, and that will solve the issue with not having to pay for gasoline. But But there's also another dynamic to that, and we'll get into the residential side here in a moment, but I think to get a full view of what this is, to build that electric car, it takes oil to build that electric car. So you have to have some sort of energy to use to build that electric car. And then of course, in order to power the station that energizes the the battery, you're gonna have to have energy. So it's not just about having you know, electric car, for instance, to, to, to make, uh, you know, our lives better. You know, there's a whole host of other things that go into it. And you, you share with me a startling statistic that, um, I think you said it was half of the, the world's energy is in residential homes. Well, half of the electricity generated in this country ends up going to residential use. So that I think that's the statistic that you were talking about. But to get to the point you, you led off with, um, you know, with electric cars, yeah, so you're going you're gonna to have to use energy to produce these things. But with cars, it's the energy they use over their lifetime. It's not the energy that goes into making them that's really important. Now, the other point you brought up was, well, you've still got to produce that electricity. So, yeah, the car doesn't generate any emissions and it doesn't use anything right there other than, than the electricity. But you've got to generate the electricity. And to do that, you're going to burn coal. You're going to run nuclear plants, you're going to run uh, natural gas burning plants, and you're going to use hydroelectric, solar, and wind power. But overall, that generating that electricity is much cleaner and much more efficient than it is uh, to you know, make the gas and, and, and uh, burn that in the car. Um, the issue there is, is that you can't carry as much energy in your car if you've got it in a battery, if you can, if you've got it in gasoline. That's the big issue. And battery technology is one of the things that has to be solved to solve this big energy puzzle. Um, you know, one of the questions that I have just started starting this thought process out is, you know, why have we not went to an electric car sooner? I mean, I, is there is there just a big movement? I mean, I know that, you know, you have gas company lobbyists that try to, you know, push that out of the economy, but why have we not put more time, more effort, more energy <laughs> to <laughs> more energy into the energy into, yeah. into the into the electric car? Because right. it seems like, you know, for those uh, you know, I, I live from my office five miles away mm-hmm. and it just seems to me that, you know, having an electric car, if it was not cost prohibitive for me to purchase the electric car, that seems to be the way to go at $4 gas. Right. Well, okay, so there's a a lot of issues. All of these things are always very complicated and they're always interconnected. One thing is, is you know where all the gas stations are. Okay, there's not a lot of charging stations that are set up right now for electric cars. So that has to get solved first. And you got that same problem with any alternative energy source, right? When we start uh, driving um, natural gas powered cars, which I think will happen pretty soon, 
right now there's no big distributors of natural gas so you know the filling stations is a big issue now with electric cars the really big issue is the battery technology so you might have heard about the fire in the vault that caused the big problem mm-hmm. there. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that probably isn't as big a deal as it really was made out to be in the media, but it's still, it's an issue. So the battery technology is, is ongoing. It's a big research effort at ORNL right now and all the other national laboratories. And in fact, DOE is uh, announcing a competition for what they call a battery hub. So one of the national labs, or it could be at a university, is going to host a big research center aimed at, at next-generation battery technology that will solve a lot of these problems. Now, once we get the battery technology to where it needs to be, and we have charging stations where they need to be so you can do a cross-country trip, then I think that electric is going to be one of the solutions. Now, what I think is most likely, now this is a personal opinion, this isn't science, this is a personal opinion, what I think is most likely is that a volt kind of uh, strategy will be adopted, which means there will be some kind of liquid fuel, and there will be there will be electric power too. Mm-hmm. Now, Maybe li- natural gas. It could be. Electric. It could. It certainly could be natural gas, or it could be flex fuel car. It could be a car that basically could take any kind of fuel. Uh, it could be you know it could be ethanol. It could be one of the more advanced biofuels, like butanol yeah. or something like that. Or it could be gasoline, or it could be mixtures of gasoline and things like that. But probably that kind of solution is the thing that's going to float to the top. Now, one of the things that I think people most want to know about is on this show, maybe revolving more around housing. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly the the transportation, in my mind, is a is a very powerful piece of the housing argument because people are going to buy ha- homes that are close to their job because of the cost to get to where they're going to work. So, you know, it definitely is an appropriate piece of this, you know, this topic. Now, solar power, is that something that you think is a a very good technology, solar power? Well, for any of the energy technologies, um, a lot of it comes down to uh, what it costs over the lifetime to generate the energy that it's going to generate. Where solar has struggled over the years is is that, you know, uh, right now, you can produce electricity for about six cents per kilowatt hour if you use coal. Mm. And if you use solar energy, then it's about 25 cents per kilowatt hour. Okay. Well, that doesn't seem like a good deal. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the issue there. So, one of the, there's a thing now called the Sunshot Initiative. And the Sunshot Initiative is a DOE program um, to fund research to reduce the cost of solar to what it costs to generate it with coal. Now, I just told you the raw price of generating electricity. I didn't tell you about all the other problems you have to deal with, right? So mm-hmm. when I burn coal, I put mercury in the atmosphere. I put sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere. I put CO2 in the atmosphere. Those things cause us issues, okay? If you walk around with sinus problems all the time, one of the reasons that you do that is because of what we burn. Mm. And of course, we spend lots of money at the doctor's office taking care of issues like that. So the total cost, is something that's hard to calculate. And you have also those issues that happen like in Kingston, for instance, that ha- you know affect neighborhoods mm-hmm. and people. I think that's something that people need to really understand is every energy technology has its risk, has its benefits, and it has its risks. And there is nothing out there. You know, I think people focus so much on the risk of, say, nuclear, that they don't understand the risks of the other technologies. And they all have. It's, these are complicated issues and can't be dealt with in sound bites, really. 
Yeah, well, you're right. And I think when we, we're going to go to break here in just a few minutes, and we'll definitely dive into some more of these type of topics. But I, I do think that nuclear technology, you know, there's been a big push, I think, from certain people that we want to, you know, have nuclear come back into the, the fold. And, you know, they suggest it's a cleaner technology, maybe. I don't know that that's true or not, but I've heard that topic that said. And and a security issue. We look at Japan just a year ago. They have the the potential meltdown. So there's a lot of risks. And it's not cheap to build one of those planes. No, it's not. It it takes about a billion dollars in, I don't know, 14 years or so to go through all the the permitting and and all of the, the design and impact studies and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you can put a big, huge solar plant in place, um, you know, a decade faster and a lot cheaper and you yeah. can a nuclear plant. So and what is the cost for energy per kilobyte or whatever you Kilo, said? Kilowatt hour? Kilowatt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, that's for that's why we have Dr. Simpson on. <laughs> yeah. For nuclear. It's uh, it's a little bit more expensive than coal. I, the number, I'm sorry, I don't know the number no, off the top a, of my head. Yeah. The number that sticks in my head is it's about eight cents per kilowatt so hour. So coal has really become the go-to source because it's the cheapest it's the cheapest but it's not the cleanest it's the cheapest in just the direct cost yeah and you have so many jobs associated with you know mining coal and it's it's to unwind all that is is i i would not want to be in a position to have to address the you know unintended consequences from going to any technology and i think that's part of why we have not been able to move the ball forward on some of these newer technologies is because of the unintended consequences and when we, we got come, about a minute left. yeah when we come back from the break uh, one of the things he mentioned before we went on there is the the energy loss and that we lose so we, we create this energy we're ready to use it but then our we don't uh contain it very well do we right we it, I, the best example of that's the incandescent light bulb right it's like you generate, a, you put 100 watts into it and you get a few percent of that out in light. And the rest of it's heat. And if you're cooling your house, you also have to get that heat out of your house. Yeah. Well, we're here with Dr. Mike Simpson. He is a professor. He is a scientist. He is a director. He's got a lot of titles that he holds. And we have him here special for you on the housing hour. So when we come back, we're going to dive more into this, get more into the residential side. And we just have an exciting show. So thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back after these messages. For news, sports, traffic, and weather. Partnered with WBIR.com. This is 100.3 WNOX. When it's time to buy a home or take advantage of terrific refinancing options, put your trust in Tennessee's leading independent mortgage lender for over 20 years. With 15 locations in the state of Tennessee, Mortgage Investor Group offers a diversified line of products that takes a caring approach to the lending process that ensures each loan fits your individual needs. For more information, call toll-free 800-489-8910 or visit MIGonline.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution serving Tennessee for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 10911. Mortgage Investors Group is an equal housing lender. At Title Associates of Knoxville, we are all about you. You, the buyer, the seller 
the real estate agent or the lender. Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. Our staff has been serving Knoxville and surrounding counties for over 20 years with timely, attentive service. We are constantly updating and re-educating ourselves to ensure the best possible service to our customers. At Title Associates, we are proud to be a part of this community, a community that has remained positive during the downturn of the economy and a community that will recover with an even stronger real estate market. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. Title Associates, your choice and the right choice. Mortgage Investors Group is committed to being your home loan solution. It's just that simple. With over 22 years of experience in the home financing business and over 60,000 clients, MIG is Tennessee's leading independent mortgage lender. Whether you're looking to upgrade your current home, purchase your first home, or need to simply refinance to a lower rate, now is the time to move. There has never been a better time to buy a home than there is today. Record low rates, great selection of homes for sale, and sellers ready to sell. This environment will not last forever. Mortgage Investors Group has money to lend, experienced loan officers to guide you, and a singular focus of helping you. Contact us and we will help you realize your American dream today. MIGonline.com or 865-691-8910. Equal housing lender, Tennessee license number 109111. Mortgage Investors Group. The Veteran Next Door, a compelling hour of stories told and retold from the battlefronts of America's wars. Join Randall Baxter Sunday mornings at 9 as he introduces us to veterans of our wars as they share their stories of loss, their lives, their heartaches, their victories, all up close, real life and personal encounters. You don't want to miss this. The Veteran Next Door, Sunday mornings with host Randall Baxter on 100.3 WNOX. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome in back to the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you guys for joining us. What an exciting show that we have. And I do real quick want to tell you about a company that I believe very strongly in, and that is Admiral Title Company. Admiral Title has been around for seven, eight years. Uh, Terry Adams and Phyllis Burnett started this company, and what a tremendous company that they have started. And and they really have uh, really made the title business and what the process is very simple and it for us as a lender that's what we need we need somebody that's going to take you from a to z and not have any issues and just take care of the process and they do a really good job with that um and you know as a lender we want somebody that's going to you know hold the hand of the client and also reinforce the things that we have already told them and then if there's an issue that comes up to know how to take care of that issue and they have proven that they know how to do that so if you're out there listening and you're a lender or you're realtor and you need somebody that's going to take care of your clients and it's going to take them from point A to point Z with no issues in between, then Admiral Title is the company for you. If you're a 
person that's just out there not working as a lender or a realtor, then you can just go directly to them if you're buying a home. And maybe you're paying cash. You don't need a mortgage. Good for you. Then go directly to them. Their phone number is 865-531-6060. Well, darn, I was so excited to get back to this next segment. I almost forgot how to do a, a endorsement there. But let's get back into this because I'm excited to this next this next segment. And, you know, we talked a lot about the energy and we talked a lot about the transportation side of things. We talked a lot about the different types of energy. Um, and so let's let's talk a little more about that. Let's let's look at it from this perspective and maybe I'll get your your uh, feelings about this. You know, when it comes to that statistic about the 50% that goes into residential, can you talk a little bit about maybe where the other energy goes and as it as it, you know, relates to housing and talk a little bit about your studies and, and what you what you believe? Well, other than residential, uh, you know, the categories are commercial, industrial, and transportation. So those are the categories that energy use goes into. Obviously, I think the one that affects uh, housing the most would be transportation. Transportation takes um, a little bit more than a third of the total energy that, uh, that this country uses. Uh, most of that's uh, oil petroleum products and about half of that oil actually just slightly less than half now because there's been improvements in this but close to half of it's imported and that of course has big geopolitical concerns and things like that and they affect your paycheck and that affects your home too so I think those are the big issues that that in energy that affect uh, what goes on in housing. Yeah, you know, I was the other day I was um, listening on the radio and you know I was listening to somebody talking about diesel fuel and they were talking about how you know some of these construction companies are fudging and putting a different colored of diesel fuel in their tanks because it's much cheaper and if they actually got caught doing that they could be fined but they're trying to push the cost down so that they can their margins are 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 better or they can sell the home cheaper and we know this equipment that they're running now i am this is totally news to me i have no i didn't even know there was different colors of diesel fuel but there's different grades of diesel fuel i suppose so is that something i think that people you know generally know about because you know i guess the cheaper diesel fuel is more harmful to the uh, the environment or what Right. That's well, one of the big issues with diesel. And diesel has made a big comeback lately because diesel engines are very efficient. You mm -hmm. know, you get better mileage in right. a diesel car. Than, but one of the big issues is, is they burn dirty. They, okay. They've traditionally burned dirty. And if you've ever been behind a diesel truck, you've yeah. smelled True. How, okay. how dirty that they can burn. Yeah. So, of course, one of the big issues there is is to make them burn as cleanly as you can make gasoline cars burn. And there's been a lot of advances in that technology. You can go buy a diesel car right now that meets emission standards that are very much like gasoline cars. Mm -hmm. And you get that extra mileage out of the car. Yeah. Uh, and then the big issue comes down to the price because, yeah. you know, yeah. the price of the diesel fluctuates different than the price of the gasoline. Sometimes it's, it's very economical and sometimes it's not very economical. Right. Just kind of depends yeah. on on the market so, at that point. Oh, so go ahead. I'm sorry. So yeah, I mean, you know, the the sulfur content and things like that, and in lower grades of fuel, could certainly be an issue with with emissions. I'm going to admit to you, I'm not an expert at all in those areas. So right. I can't I can't really talk to right. you know, to diesel fuel quality very much. Well, if you think you know, like everybody out there that's listening right now. Um, you know, the, the way that they're framing the argument, I think politically maybe, is that we need to just get away from fuel. Um, we need to 
you know, have everything be ran through either wind, solar, or all these other technologies that you're, you know, studying and researching. Um, but the truth is, we're not going to be able to get rid of fuel. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I yeah. mean, and you just have to look at, if you just look at the facts for a few minutes. Right now, well, this is of, of 2009. Solar was generating 0.1% of our electricity. 0.1. And, and wind was generating 0.7. Now, wind's grown tremendously. Wow. Wind has grown tremendously, and in fact, it, all the way up to 0.7. <laughs> well, no, that was in 2009, and it's continued. Right, but that's a big number. That's, really. con- that's continued to grow since then, mm-hmm. and in fact, at least for a couple of years, wind was the fastest growing power source out there. Mm-hmm. And there were there were power plants that literally weren't built because wind was able to take up take up the slack. But still, you know, we're talking about things that are in the few percent level. I mean, we're not going to get away from fossil fuels completely in the foreseeable future. Okay. So, you know, what we have to do is we, we have to have a smart energy policy. And when the smart energy policy makes smart use of all of the available fuels. Now, um, I, I will point out, you'll never get away from fuel because there will always be a fuel. It's just better fuels and worse fuels. Okay. Some, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, hey, Mike, let, let's talk about uh, going back into the home and electricity coming into the house. Mm-hmm. Tell me about some of the national statistics that are out there because majority of the homes out there are electricity. I don't know of any other, maybe some natural gas generators that are running some parts of the home, but electricity, what's the what's going on with electricity? How's it being lost? What are some of the improvements that have occurred? Okay, so there's two major energy sources in the home, right? There's electricity and then there's natural gas. And natural gas, of course, does a lot of heating, a lot of water heating, things like that. Now, most of the electricity generation with natural gas, and I'm familiar with, has to do with like backup generators. And so, you know, after the storms of last April, I thought about putting in a natural gas generator to do such things. But I have a breakdown here for for where your energy goes in your house. And about more than 40% of the energy that you use in your home is to heat it and to cool it. That is your biggest energy use by far of anything. Uh, The next biggest thing is water heating. So heating the water for showers and washing your dishes and things like that is, you know, somewhere in the 13 to 15% of your total power use range. Uh, Lighting, lighting is about 12%. So residential lighting is about 12% of your electricity bill. Um, And then after that, it starts to drop off. You know, refrigeration would be next. And then you start to get down into, you know, just your electronics. Your clothes dryer is a big energy hog, and it's a really hard thing to make more efficient. About the only way to make clothes drying more efficient right now is to hang it on a line and do solar, um, you know, drying of your clothes. And neighbors tend to not like that. Yeah, neighbors tend not to like that. Well, let me see if I understand this correctly, because back in a long time ago when we didn't have, you know, air conditionings or heaters, we didn't have you know, clothes being washed in, you know, high degrees. We didn't have the water, you know, being heated for our showers. You know, back in the day, we just didn't do with those luxuries. So as the industrial age has progressed, or that probably is the wrong word, but as we've gotten to where we we are right now, um, we have all these luxuries, this, the heating of, of whatever, you know, but you're telling me that 50% of what the world's energy is is of residential, right? Is that what you said? Well, no, actually, those were national statistics, not, okay, not just global national. statistics. Okay, national. Yeah, because you know when you start taking in third world countries and things like that, I mean, there's they no have usage. A, okay. Yeah, they have a very different energy profile okay. than we do. They have kind of colonial day type energy 
Yeah. So you're basically saying the U.S. is a huge consumer of electricity. Yeah, the U.S. consumes, you know, something close to a quarter of the world's energy. Okay. So, so what I'm asking, I guess, is if we we think about what we have and what you know God has blessed us with, which is you know a great uh, amount of luxuries. There are certain things I think that we can do in our home and that we can do as just residents of the United States to help with this energy problem because you know it's not just out there you know driving to the mall and driving to your house you know to your job or driving on vacation you know it looks like in the home itself there's some inefficiencies that are happening so people that are out there listening to the show you know what are some things that they can do to help get down the amount of energy that they use and, and Mike there and speak to because I hear this zero energy homes I mean Habitat for Humanity is partnering with ORN I understand Absolutely. That's correct. to do that. So mm-hmm. what is zero energy? How do you do that? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, it would probably be more appropriate to call them zero net energy homes. Okay. Now, what that means is, is that you make the energy use in the home as low as you can possibly make it. And then you generate through a renewable source like solar enough energy to offset the amount that you use. So you're, you're in a net sense, you're not drawing any electricity from the grid. Now that doesn't mean you don't draw electricity from the grid. You may be, you know, when you're having your peak use of electricity, you may be drawing electricity from your utility company. But then when you're not having your peak usage, you put electricity back on the grid through your solar panels or your windmill or whatever you use. So there's two steps to a zero net energy home. Number one is to make it as efficient as you can possibly make it. And number two is you generate enough electricity to offset the electricity that you do use. Well, and so in terms of this this Habitat home that they're trying to do the net energy, you know, going forward, um, is it is it more costly to build the home with that type of energy package, or is it about the same? It's a little more expensive, and uh, this is this is the thing I think that is is true of all of these efficiency technologies that we can talk about, uh, perhaps on a later show. Yes, but uh, you're going to spend more money up front, and then you're going to receive that money back with with payback over a number of years, and it depends on the technology which one you're going to do. I'll just give you one quick statistic: Please, yeah. um, residential lighting. Okay, so if you uh, change most of your residential light, you shouldn't change all of it um, because there's some things that are actually a little better to do with incandescent than, than with, with uh, fluorescent lights. But if you changed all your lighting uh, to fluorescent lighting or most of your lighting to fluorescent lighting, you would use only one-fifth of the amount of energy to light your home as you do now with incandescence. And you would pay more for that fluorescent lighting up front, but your payback would happen over about three years and then after that, it's all money in the bank. And uh, the fluorescent lights can last quite a long time. They can have quite a big payback. Um, much better than you can get in treasury bills right mm. now. So, What know. about taking just cold showers? <laughs> Would that help? Cold any? showers makes a big... T- well, uh, well, let me put it this way. If you have a tankless water heater, mm. then taking a cold shower is going to help. Now, if you, if you have... Um, 
if you have a, a, a water heater that keeps stored hot water there all the time, you, then you're continuously putting energy into keeping that water hot, even if oh, you don't use it. That, but is there, are there uh, researches going on on each component of the house at ORNL? Uh, who's, who does all these individual components and, and look at the efficiency? Yeah, there's, there's a big building research program at ORNL. Now, I'm not part of that. Right. That particular division, I'm in the Nanoscience Center, but but there's, you know, as you can imagine, there's big interest since so much of the energy goes into housing, so much of the energy goes into industrial uses and buildings and things like that. There's a big push there. Well, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this segment, and uh, Dr. Mike Simpson has been kind enough to come in and join us and just provide us a tremendous amount of information. Thank you so much for coming in. We definitely need to have you back very He'll be soon. Back. He's our resident yeah. genius. Absolutely. <laughs> because you know what? Next time, I want to talk a little bit some other things that people can do, and also what people can do out there in our community to help push this initiative forward, and how they can be of support to the Bredesen Center and other uh, you know, avenues for people to research this. So again, thank you so much for coming in. We'll be right back in just a moment. We've got a great show lined up for you this week, th- next week, and all the shows to come. Thank you again. This is Kevin Ray with the Housing Hour. We'll be right back.